everybody, and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today, we're talking about the dig. I have no witty comments. And with me on this space journey through the stars, but inside of a rock, are my good friends, Lieutenant Commander Craig Patrick. Oh, dear God. Thanks for that. I was actually going to try that Brink thing, you know, like, Come here, you phlegm, carapace, slime-faced, mucus-brained, furry-legged adopter of luminously intelligent, pulcritudinous earth women. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good, Craig. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. As Thank a you. observer of this mission, we have uh, ace crack reporter Michael... What's the, what's the, what's the lady's name? Michael Brink. Yeah. Robbins. Michael Brink. Michael Brink. Do okay, it yeah. now. You could be Michael Brink. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this is going to be a bit of an oddball one because we've never done an adventure game for the main show. Like, we did the visual novel thing, but most of this has been retro rewind stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has. So, we're not. Ah, hang on. Did we not do Day of the Tentacle? Yeah, we did that back in the dark days. Those, those were the dark days. Okay. Uh, okay, so since we got a modicum of, of you know, efficiency here, we haven't done an adventure game. So we're not quite sure how long this is going to be. So this may be a shorter episode. We may just talk forever and it may be a longer episode. We're not sure, but we're going to still try to split it up into two, even though it's a little bit hard. But um, keep in mind, I mean, it's an old game, but we may spoil it in the first episode we may not stick to that strict spoiler stuff because if you need to explain the mechanics of an adventure game uh, uh welcome to video games try mario this game is 25 years old and i feel like we should have a ground rule on spoiling games past certain age you well, know? well I, i'd like to think that maybe sometimes we introduce people to a game they hadn't played before and after they hear the mechanics okay. they may want to go play it like uh Actually, I I don't I can't remember anything we've done before now. <laughs> Once it comes out of my mouth, it's gone. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, this is a 25-year-old game, and it's special in the LucasArts lineup to me, at least. Um, so, Craig, why don't we get this right off the bat? You're gonna you're the adventure game dude. Uh, but first, um, Mike, I didn't ask you beforehand. But uh, do you want to do stats, and then Craig will jump in with the LucasArts stuff? Yeah, sure. So, um, using using the the speed of my fingers, I'm going to access that <laughs> memory bank. I'm going to dig into those archives and see what I can find. Ah, nice pull, nice pull. Very much. The Dig 2018 IMDB is not related, sadly. No, no, for a second there, while I was uh, researching, I thought that maybe there was a movie, uh, but there's not. So, so, yeah, um, released in 1995, this was, of course, a, a PC release. Uh, strangely enough, I don't think this actually got an Amiga release in this case, which is one of the odd things of LucasArts games. However, um, this is a game that came about due to... Um, Steven Spielberg's involvement. I believe he wrote wrote the story on a napkin and left it under George Lucas's desk. 
And then... Uh, Is that where he also wrote boom blocks? And that was it. He just wrote the phrase boom blocks. He might have wrote the story on a block. You never know. But um, <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I really did not know too much about the dick coming into it. But yeah, it's as as usual for LucasArts, it's a point and click adventure game. Um and admittedly a bit of a boring looking one to me at the time. Um science fiction based featuring uh Robert Patrick. <laughs> and, uh, uh I've lost the point now. Sorry, apologies. Our Lord and Savior Robert <laughs> Patrick, I think is what you meant to say. Okay. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Uh mm-hmm. Did came out to mixed but mostly positive reviews. Um, I don't really know much more. Yeah, I read some of those reviews. Mm. Um, They were dinging it for stuff I wouldn't ding it for. And then praising it for stuff I wouldn't have praised it for. So it's a little strange to read like old reviews. Mm. No, so, I mean, what else we got on it really? Um, Re-released on Steam in 2009. And comes from predominantly a bunch of LucasArts developers I am not massively familiar with. Uh, Michael Landers, the composer, is a big, big name. But apart from that, it was a bit of a bit of an odd one. Well, oh, beautiful looking well, Craig, in the promotion you... shots, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, we'll get we'll get into that. Uh, Craig, you get into like explaining what this means to LucasArts and what this was going on, and then I'd like to talk about the actual process of making this so right yeah okay so basically very very background one thing i found out about this so lucas arts was born of george lucas's mind to start exploring gaming right the one thing i didn't know that was that lucas arts the gaming company and this is just a random fact that i learned but it's a nice good fact lucas arts didn't have the ability to use star wars ip in the, start, in the beginning of game development. And Ron Gilbert said in an interview that I listened to earlier, if they had Star Wars from the start, nothing original would ever have come from LucasArts. They would have been in Star Wars and stuck there. Yeah, I think that's like one of the very few smart decisions George Lucas made. Like, that's very smart. Yeah, like, honestly, like, the, the thought of a non- Non Star Wars. Hang on, how many negatives do I need here? The thought of the opposite of what had happened not happened, then I would be sad. Well, I mean, Did that makes sense. It is. It is strange how Star Wars was a no go, but yeah, you can have Indiana Jones. I was about yeah, to just it's... say then. Funnily enough, as a nineteen ninety five game, that would have made this quite close to Windows ninety five. Which I remember there being a uh, Indiana Jones desktop adventures and uh, like a, a Yoda story. A Yoda's desktop. Yeah, Yoda, yeah, Yoda's desktop adventures or something. Yeah. Yep. Indiana Jones desktop adventures was definitely in my in my Windows ninety five. It was Ace as well as we dancing naked lady and everything else. In the grand scheme of LucasArts things, what this meant was it was after Sam and Max and you know Dead and Denticle and Zombies Ate My Neighbors and all that. But it was really, really close to Full Throttle. And, and that year there was Full Throttle. There was the odd side of LucasArts. The side that I never explored of LucasArts of Star Wars. So there was like the second Star Wars game. And there was like all of that in there. And then there was the dig. And the dig always stuck out to me back then. And I hadn't fully appreciated until now. The reason, I think, more than anything was because it had a six-year development cycle in there. 
So it's six painful years, by far the longest game they had ever worked on. I heard it cost to get a to mint. Point. Oh, it cost an absolute fortune. You're talking like four lead developers on it, taking it through various... It's, you know, Steven Spielberg changing his mind through it, depending on what happened with Jurassic Park in 92 or whatever. It's completing our bunker on that's development cycle for this game. So it always stuck out to me. And I, I played it maybe later in the 90s, maybe into the 2000s or the noughties or whatever the hell that <laughs> decade was called. I've got no idea what that decade the was called. Naughties, naughty oddies. Yeah. Uh, and even even then, it stuck out as a, I quite enjoyed that, but I, I really, really liked, I really liked my Day of the Tentacle and I really liked my Full Throttle. So it, it always stuck out as the odd one out, more so than the Star Wars type games. That's like a different arm of LucasArts. This was in the same ballpark. Well, I have different. a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there a reason why, and no offense to anybody that worked on the dig, I doubt you're listening, but that's not what I mean by this question, but is there a reason why no A-listers were on this? And I mean, we all know who the A-listers are from LucasArts. So, I'm not... I'm not entirely sure. It might have been tie up in development with something else, but in terms of who worked on it, or in terms of like who the, who the big players were up where, they did pull in some key players. Like the first guy that was on development, what was his name? Noah Falstein was the Indiana Jones guy. Mm. So he came out of Indiana Jones, which came out in the late 80s, straight into the initial development cycle of the dig. So he punted out Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is a fantastic game. Yeah. And boom, landed this. So the development there landed him with that. And then it got passed on to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, like, like look, know, why, uh, looking at the credits, the only name I mm-hmm. recognized was the music guy. Michael Land. No, wasn't there another, another music guy? Well, if if it's the music guy you recognise, the music guy is Michael Land, and Michael Land is like LucasArts' main music man. He did like all of the Mon- Monkey Island music, some of the Star Wars music, the Dig, Indiana Jones. Okay, yeah, all of that yeah. That, kind of stuff. Sorry, the the name didn't ring a bell. It was just while I was reading it. Okay, okay yeah. So that's Michael Land. Um, so in the, in the kind of like lead developers, you've got Falstein, the the Star Wars guy. You've got um, Brian Moriarty who did Loom, which is a LucasArts game, or a Brian Moriarty game. I just, I can't, I don't get at all. I don't get Loom at all. I don't know if you've played it, but it's like musical palindromes and random Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, non- yeah, nonsense. I played Loom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a weird one. Um, it got passed on to Dave Grossman, who is a big player, or I would say. Yeah, I know that player. name, yeah. Um, he went on, he did um, Secret Monkey Island and then went on to do Sam and Max and then he was one of the founders of Telltale. Oh, which, that's why I know his name probably because I don't know much yeah. about Lucas. Uh, so he he's um, he was the third key developer in there and then it passed on to Sean Clark who was also in Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. So that was the second uh, LucasArts Indiana Jones game and that finished development in 1992 and it was really really successful so he went on to do Sam and Max Hit the Road which was also really successful which was also really successful so he landed the dig as the next project (laughs) 
Um, so that was your four key developers. And at each stage of those guys, like Brian Moriarty took it down a really dark path and he had a guy getting melted with acid and all of this random stuff. And then of um, Steven Spielberg had released Jurassic Park and had faced criticism because, you know, oh my God, Jurassic Park has a dinosaur that eats a guy off a toilet. The kids don't like that. This isn't going to make as much money because it scared them. And then all of a sudden he was like, that dig game has a guy being melted in acid. Let's just pull that out. <laughs> out I mean, I mean, I, it is kind of weird to see the flip flop. I mean, that, that's for a podcast that is much more informed than we are. But like, mm-hmm. you also did Schindler's List, sir. So I don't really understand why the backpedaling on the violence. It was a timing thing, and it was—I suppose it was—it was a—it was, a, was timing, and it was the spin-off thing it was the et game being absolute garbage it was it was an area revenue the dig was originally supposed to be a screenplay and there was no budget or interest in it it then moved into game it was it's there's an audiobook version of yeah it. yeah i've also i read the snippets of the novel and boy uh-huh. the, the novel is certainly the novelization of an adventure game i'll give it that <laughs> so there's all this, and I think it's it's the result of the time it was in, the fact George Lucas was where he was, where Indiana Jones was successful with Fate of Atlantis, and even before that, because that was in, you know, like the 90s and the, the late 80s, but it was just, it was the timing, and it was a way to, because it was originally, not originally, sorry, but it was supposed to be darker, but there was also this idea of having a survival element, so you have to forage for food, and you know, survive on this alien planet. It was as if they had this idea of the 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 overarching umbrella story, and they just needed a form of media. Wait, this they needed something. This ties in with Resident Evil. It, it, do you know what that it could have done? It could have we been could that have you landed on the planet. Could have been great. Uh, no, like 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 um, I will get into this more in depth, but. The biggest takeaway I have from this, and this won't spoil anything, is this game should have been made like 10 years later. And you would have had a real banger. That's that's yeah. what I walked with. Like, like, especially with those ideas, you could have done something really cool with oh. those ideas. I think in terms of in terms of sci-fi and where the tech was, yeah, it's a really simple game. For coming out in the mid nineties, had it come out early nineties, late eighties, the tech would have stood up a wee bit better. All right, well, and well had it come let's out uh, later. We we um, you touched okay. on it a little bit, but let's talk about everybody's history. Like uh, this is a pick from Mike, mm. so Mike, why don't you start and uh, throw in why you picked this game? Yeah, so um, years back, I remember going to a good friends. Uh, who used to always play like Monkey Island and he absolutely loved it and I'd sit back and watch it and I'd be thinking I'd like to go on something like this at some point. Um, Moving forward a little bit, I did get Sam and Max hit the road and uh, it never really gelled with me to be honest. There's something, I I think I chose the wrong side of LucasArts that doesn't really appeal to me as much, I'm not sure. But um, when I got to the dig if i remember right when when was the first diablo released 
Does anyone know? Well, looking back into <laughs> my encyclopedic knowledge, I can tell you that the first Diablo game, which, by the way, was also ported to the PlayStation, mm-hmm. came out oh, for- in around... Oh, thinking about... Stupid, I can't find it. <laughs> 93. Is that, 90, I, that's a guess now. Whoa, um, way off. 97. 97. Damn it. Okay. God, okay. Really? Well, yeah. I remember at the time I was watching some sort of, uh, some sort of like magazine disc which showed like cinematic, the very first ever cinematic of Di- Diablo, like it's, you know, it's first introduction. And uh, I was playing like yeah. War- Warcraft 2 at the time, things like that probably. Um and I remember seeing this dig at the same time and thinking, that looks that looks pretty amazing. And, and uh, you know, we'd heard about, I think we'd already heard about Full Throttle coming up and all sorts. But um, my PC at this time wasn't good enough to, well, I didn't have a CD drive for a start. So, so, so I was sort of like, I was tempt, I was on the fence about it. And I was thinking, you know, a space sort of thing would be pretty cool. And why, why doesn't Spielberg do more sort of, space movie you know i don't know i don't know it was, it was just sort of like a it looked different you know compared to everything else that had come before it was all sort of like comedy most of the time at the same time it wasn't really my sort of scene i wasn't a big sci-fi person i'd, I'd watch sci-fi stuff but i'd never really like you know i'd watch it with others but i'd never really seek it out on my own um i just got a bit intrigued of it intrigued enough that i left it for about 25 years until a fanatical bundle <laughs> deal where I got Loom both Indiana Jones games and The Dig for uh, £2.19 and now I've play, played the book but I no I, I was seriously interested in it I don't know I don't know what stopped me I think it's just it looked a bit boring it just it looked beautiful but boring to me from a distance and that's always what put me off and the reviews didn't help either um um, so why, why now? Like, like, why did you decide to pick it now? It was just a cure. I just wanted to know whether I was wrong, whether I'd, I'd judged it too early. Okay. And I thought, you know, Craig's, Craig's going to be a font of knowledge on this sort of stuff. And I'd love, I'd love to run it past him and see what is it about the dig that put me off and, and what, why did I want to return to it? Because, you know, it's just a, the, the right time, the right time to pick it up and give it another go or give it a go. Full stop. Uh, and uh, I think oh god, no! I, was just, I think you're you're on you're hitting the nail on the head with something on the why pick it now or why do it for the show is because I've found a few times with the games that I pick or the things that I think it's it's not just about motivation to play a game, but it's almost about trying to validate either why you want to play it or why you had doubts or what it's having the ability to all of us play through it and then all of us talk about it and go, oh yeah, that I completely fucked that up. Yeah. Or, oh yeah, that I totally, now I know why. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. So I think it's it's good. This is a good format to do that. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the worst case scenario is you pick a Yoshi's Island. I mean... Exactly. <laughs> um, Who the fuck would pick but Yoshi's just, Island? Just to make it contemporary, <laughs> there is the point that, you know, um, I don't know many people who are more hyped than me about Death Stranding initially, but... When that game hit, mm-hmm. the reviews completely threw me off the scent and made me think this looks like an abomination. I'd never played the game. I was, you can't judge things without yeah. playing them. It's ridiculous. So I'm rectifying that. No. And that's that's what I'm doing with the dig too. 
Yep. Uh, oh, the Dig 2. You played the Dig 2. Uh, <laughs> well, right. I, I just well, we completed Death Stranding the other day as well. So, so I've, I've, I've wrapped up all the... Can my other... We'll talk about Death Stranding. We'll talk about Death Stranding. <laughs> no, we won't. I, my, my general thought on the whole thing is when it comes... In terms of Steam releases and playing the Dig and stuff, I think the Dig is deserving... And this might be final thoughts or giveaway that I quite like the game of the Another World and in inverted commas treatment. I think it needs to be on I got iPad. really strong out of this world vibes, and it may just be because yeah. of the animation style. It's there's more that it's an alien world. There's set pieces. There's a lot in there where but, um, Another World stroke out of this world. I I think the dig deserved. I, I think it's a hidden gem. Uh, okay, really? so we all know how I feel about another world or out of this world. Oh, uh, I was just yeah. about to say I do not like <laughs> either of those games, and and you can throw flashback on that fire, yeah. and you can throw a lot of things on that fire. But mm-hmm. uh, there are some things I think out of this world does correctly that the dig doesn't. But we'll talk about that. Um, okay. My history with this sucker. Um, I played it on somebody's computer, and it was it was somebody I knew. I didn't just walk into a stranger's house and go, "Oh, you have to dig." I guess I'll play that. I don't remember if it was my uncle or a friend or or somebody, but I played a little bit of it to the fact where it's seated in my brain that Robert Patrick is in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I had zero interest in playing it. But uh, it's kind of cool that Mike did pick it because uh, I listen to a lot of game podcasts and. A lot of people on the internet like LucasArts. And while we know that's something I don't really share, I always found it was very strange that everybody brings up things that came before this and things that came after this, but nobody ever brings up the dig. Like everybody talks about Sam and Max and Indiana Jones and then, you know, the the Gilbert and Schaefer games, but nobody's ever like, hey, let's talk about Loom or the dig. And this is just that weird pair that never really gets mentioned unless you're at a game convention and you wear a button that says, hi, ask me about Loom. Um, But this was something that um, when I going into it, I knew I wasn't going to be a fan of the game, but uh, I gave it my best shot. And we'll we'll talk about how I gave it my best shot. But uh, Craig, your history, man. What do you got on the dig? On the dig, so as I said in my probably ranty 10-minute monologue at the start, I played it later on after release, late 90s-esque or ish. And I I really fell in love with it. I really liked the sci-fi element. That's what got me. I was thrown off. Like you you could you could play this and not even know that it was from LucasArts or it involved any of the people that were in there. Um just playing through it, it plays very differently to your traditional sci-fi, especially based on the Scum engine, which is what, from Maniac Mansion through to the second Monkey Island, everything was in the Scum engine. So this is in the Scum engine. You don't have a verb bar. You've ju- you're just clicking things, and you've got like one action, which is look. It's it's, it's like it's halfway just... to context sensitive clicking. Yeah, yeah. It it just it feels much more stripped back and bare. And I think at first I was like, I wrote it off. I was like, oh, this is just clicking about the place. But I think that simplicity frees up the storytelling, which I suppose brings in the Steven Spielberg element of 
being a really strong storyteller. Well, I mean, he's also you know? always, like, whenever he gets into video games, like, he was also, um, uh, let's say he had a hand in the Kinect. Um, he's very much doesn't like the way a keyboard or a mouse or a controller complicates the game. So everything he does, he tries to simplify almost to a fault. Yeah. I mean, I've got a very big problem with the dig, which we can go into if we talk about how it, the interface works. But I mean, my history wise, it always sat as an outlier, but I really liked the story and I really liked the sci-fi side. And I just thought this is a grown up adventure game and it's not like king's quest where you die in every screen so i like it no uh to be fair my little robert patrick probably should have died about three minutes into landing on the planet um Mm -hmm. because because i i had no idea what i was doing and i'm terrible at those things so um (laughs) going back into this you were excited to go back into it yeah yeah like absolutely absolutely like I just felt like, oh, it's been 20 years since I've played this, so let's give this another go again. And I have a certain amount of guilt because I do play like Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle and Full Thrall and Salmon Rax. I play everything more regularly than this. Can, but can we take a sidebar for just a second? Mm-hmm. So uh, Mike brought up playing Salmon Max. You brought up playing Salmon Max. Uh, you're both not American. I don't want to break that to you that brutally, but we have to move on. Um, how does Sam and Max work for you guys? Because that is like 90% Americana jokes of like going to Stucky's and Route 66 I, I, stuff. Dave, you have to remember this is coming from a, a time where you'd go on your dad's laptop, you'd type in LSL, jump straight in and then answer questions about what is the tax rate of Colorado and then you'd finally be in your leisure suit, Larry, and you'd be happy. But we 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 learned a lot. Okay. We we had to learn everything about America. We almost became American trying to load up copies of Leisure Suit Larry back in the day. So <laughs> trust me, it's <laughs> you know no, no. Yeah, because I play I played games like uh from British developers and I I know the joke is supposed to be funny, but it's like that's got to be just British humor. And I mean, just not me researching it takes away from my enjoyment because I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be funny. And Sam and Max is like a, a chock full of that stuff. Well, we, we, I don't know. I'm not sure about Craig, but for me, it was all the, all the usual Transformers, all that sort of stuff. I, I, I don't know. I never saw a huge thing. You know, maybe we were getting slightly... Um, censored versions of Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. <laughs> that, was... <laughs> that still causes my brain to burp every time you say that. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I think we did get... I, I remember a hell of a lot of things. You know, everyone would have, like, Hulk Hogan things, all, all sorts of... all Anything tat in America was probably quite easily accessible in the UK as well. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Because I meant, like... um. Especially with like LucasArts stuff, the fact that they have to change some jokes because it doesn't work in some languages. Huh. I was always curious the way Sam and Max was um, received over there. I I always take like cultural references as just at face value. Oh, that's probably funny. You know, like if they mention something in an ironic way, even if I don't fully understand it, I'm more like I have faith enough in the writers that like, oh, they'll take the piss here. 
or that's funny or that's a reference yeah yeah it's like like i watch a british youtuber and they reference coronation street yeah i sort of know what that is i don't know why that joke's funny but yeah exactly yeah yeah okay so anyway i'm sorry moving on um normally about here is where we talk about the aesthetics of the game uh the way it looks Mm -hmm. and uh the way it sounds Uh, i would like to ask the question of so you guys right Mm. Mm. do you guys have a preference between the squash and stretch cartoony and the more realistic look of the dig that's that's a tough one uh it's a very tough one because i think of if we just take a specific pocket and we go for the Indiana Jones games and this and then we go for Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle and um, Grim Fandango or something like that or just anything in that ilk, they both serve very different purposes. I think the cartoony pocket are the funny ones and the non-cartoony pixelated beauty are the non-funny ones. There's a grey area in The Secret of Monkey Island because it's Almost not the landscape is more abstract than the people are. Yeah, those close up portraits are not exactly cartoony. Yeah, exactly. But the, there's there's a certain element. So that's the great area. But I think this serves a very different purpose. And the Indiana Jones games serve a very they're telling us uh they're using the mechanics to tell a sto- a serious story and it works. Or it might not work if depending on who you are, because I'm not just saying it works. Because that's not the kind of person I am that would just say that this is good and you're wrong, Dave. So, Well, I'm glad you're not that kind of person that would blindly follow something and say, wow, this is great. Um, yeah, it's a bit like, would you prefer a big bar of chocolate or do you really, 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 really want that really juicy apple over there? Because they're two de- completely different things and they're both amazing, but it depends what mood you're in. <laughs> do, you, do you fancy a serious film or do you fancy a comedy? I'd love coming to you for a clear, unbiased answer, Craig. It's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about this, you? This is, a, this is a tough one. This is a very tough one because I think that the, anim- the the pure cartoon style, the thing of something, say, like Day of the Tentacle, is pretty much the base of it. You know, that's that's the bit that makes me think, with with my sort of, like, Japanese game head on, I'll think, that's the Capcom style. That's the, the beautiful animation. That's the, the stuff that you go, wow, this is amazing. And it's all it's all like, like a vehicle for comedy in a way. But I think when you go the serious route, you're talking about some weird competition. You're talking about Sierra. You're talking about sort of, like, Weird stuff like Phantasmagoria. You're thinking about like Gabriel Knight, all sorts. Yeah, that's of, exactly what I was thinking. Go, FMV. And it's just the most like the Police Quest games, all all that sort of stuff. And you go, oh, that's the most dry, terrible. Even Larry Suit, Larry Suit, Larry. It's not a good game. Apologies. I know I mentioned it before, but <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 where are you going with us? <laughs> but, but these, these are the animation is so so bad and i think the dig is one of these cases where they try and gel the two but not in a way that would piss off the people over at say sierra who are still not bothering to animate anything <laughs> you know, and, and i think the dig the dig sort of it has a bit of that scalability it has a bit of that people moving in the backgrounds and smaller animations and the sort of stuff that also comes good in something like monkey island but at the same point you sort of do yearn a little bit for that day of the tentacle. You know, I'm going to climb inside something crazy and contort myself and 
just these sort of animations that make you go, wow, this is almost as good as actual cartoons. You know what I mean? There's, there's no base. Real life doesn't have any, have a competition in a way, does it? No. So. Well, I mean, and, like, do you know? Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just do you know what I take it as, is I take it as something like Day of the Tentacle is stretched and imaginative and funny and cartoony. I think that age is better than something serious. I think seriousness is better portrayed later on. So things like your Indiana Jones and The Dig, the seriousness comes... Like, the one thing we haven't mentioned, which is a, a serious game that looks beautiful, plays well, and I, I another series I love is Broken Sword. And, oh, yeah. And it's later on... It's so lushly drawn and voice acted and everything, and it's a serious game, but it pulls it off so much better. That I think you're right, Mike, maybe or Dave. Someone said that if the dig <laughs> came out ten, ten years later, <laughs> see, as soon as it, 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 it if it's on the podcast, you don't remember it. <laughs> if it's on the it's podcast, you've forgotten. Um, one of you guys said that, and I think had that came out later because things like Broken Sword is fantastic and it's serious but it's cartoony serious it's well, nicely you know you know what i'm trying it's to realistic proportion animation yep yeah like um uh, at the t- like at the time i would have much preferred fmv because i was a dumb kid um god damn it fmv was the future man it's real people and i'm controlling them so um I don't, you couldn't have done the dig in FMV. That would have been monstrously expensive and looked terrible. Nope. It would have looked like a Red Dwarf episode. Well, while we're on this, are <laughs> we talk, we're purely talking about in-game play, aren't we? We're not talking about... Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about the animatics I've got a yet. different opinion when it comes to that side. But. Yes, <laughs> so do I, so do I. <laughs> um, but um, with something like... Uh, it's weird because in my brain, even Indiana Jones and Secret of Monkey Island, which are realistic people, mm-hmm. they still look cartoony. Whereas something like Broken Sword or hell, even uh, what's it called? Last Express. They're both animated, but there's mm-hmm. something in their proportions that makes them look more believably human. Yeah. There's something funky here to where this almost has the aesthetics of a cartoony squash and stretch mm. person. But not the actual animation of it, which is strange. Um, in the end, it took a li- takes a little bit of getting used to, but I think it sort of looks okay. Uh, I think the backgrounds are definitely the the showpiece of oh, this. Oh god, yeah. From, from when you land, oh, that was a spoiler. From when? <laughs> from, <laughs> uh, yes, I agree, Dave. <laughs> um, wh- the only thing that that I could have picked. Like, uh, was boy, sometimes then your little Robert Patrick is has like two pixels going on in his face, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Like, whoops, I bumped my mic. I'm sorry. Well, and um, strangely enough, um, in the versions with most likely all played, they had sort of like a weird, sort of a sharp, not sharpening, but sort of like maybe sort of blobby filter over the top a little bit. Try and it, they they add it to all of them, don't they? They add like a funny thing which makes it all sort of like you instead of full on uh, pixels, you get sort of like slight blobbiness to things. And yeah, the, uh, the... do you know what I did? Oh, God, do you know what I did? I didn't. I've got the Steam version. No, I've got the good old games version. Sorry, 
but I just loaded up the ScumVM emulator, stuck the CD into that, and then used a, a thing on my screen to size it to 640 by 480 pixels, and I've got a 5K monitor. Oh, the, the Apple one? On, on my monitor. So, yeah, so it was a... I had a postage stamped worth of game sitting in the corner of a screen, and I played it on the correct scale. Mm. Uh, well, uh, okay, so uh, I guess we might as well crack into it right now, right? Like, uh, I, I bought this through Steam, and uh, I don't know about the GOG version. I tried to buy the GOG version, but since they're in Poland and I'm in America, credit cards do not play, play friendly. So I had to buy mm-hmm. it on Steam. And uh, they it's like Alt-S or Alt-Z, whatever you can turn on uh, filters. I played the game with the filters off, and then later on just to refresh my memory and to see if it I it struck me different I watched a YouTube with the filters on. Yeah, okay. So, so, so when I when I scrambled around the keyboard thinking how do I save my bloody game and finally found F1. Then uh <laughs> then I gave up on searching for other other sort of keys to do anything. Oh yeah, yeah, it took me a good 5 minutes <laughs> to find the stupid menu. Right. See if oh, I don't know whether it's just muscle memory or not, but you always oh god. Like, see, F5 is always your save menu in Scum. So if you do function in F5 or the Apple key in F5, you get your save menu. And it's been a monumental amount of time since I've done that. And the instant I thought, I better save my game, my hand just went (laughs) kajunk and opened up the save menu. And I was like, what did you do, hand? How did you know that that was going to be the button? What you're saying is that you're firmly in the pocket of Big Lucas. I think it might be. I think it might <laughs> just, be. Just as a, a small okay. side note, I have to say, it's not very user-friendly, this this going back in time thing, because when you when you boot a game up and it all automatically just starts the intro and rolls into the beginning of the Boom, game. Boom, right into it, right? <laughs> it caught me off guard a few times. I thought, oh, God, what do I have to do? And it's, it's only because I'm playing like the secret of, well, the, the mana collection on the Switch, which has a very similar thing, that I suddenly went... Oh, okay. Save save states. Let's do that. That's the route. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I thought maybe I hit a button, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll let the intro play out, and then I'll get to the main menu, and I can adjust the option. Nope, it's just bam, straight into it. Um, so uh, going back to the aesthetics, um, were there any parts you guys didn't like, or were you overall pretty decently good on the uh, graphics? I I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read. Like, honestly, as much as I'm into it, I've got my uh, The History of Point and Click Adventure game as my coffee table book, and I've got it for my my work um, desk upstairs. I just read it every so often. I've got that. I haven't really read the reviews, and I don't know if what I'm going to say is blasphemous or not, but I really like the look, and I really like the feel, and I really the graphic style appeals to me until you get to the cutscene animation with the animated oh, faces. Oh boy, let's let's get oh, right into you that. Stab yourself in the eyeball um, three and a half times. They look quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really odd. They haven't seemed to capture the personality <laughs> or the look. Or I, I I just don't I don't understand. And they look. Diff- yeah. I'm pretty sure there's there's only a few characters, and at some points they change hairstyles. <laughs> And other they look features. like completely different people. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the best thing um, is when they sort of like when they skip between the the in-game stuff and then the cinematic a few times in a row. And you're sort of going, 
so is this pixel mm-hmm. supposed to be that, or is, is that <laughs> is that an alternate timeline? It's, um, a, it's a shame. It, it, it's a it's a damn shame because I think I think had no, I don't know what I think. I just think that it, it might be because of that extended development period. You've got the old gameplay mm. versus what they were trying to push in animation. Mm. As you know, like it, it, there was a, a there was a generational or a, a semi generational jump in it, and it didn't work. So the way I explained this, because uh, my wife watched when I watched the uh, the YouTube version of it, like watched it as as you know a movie. Uh, I explained it as when they hit the planet, they all banged their heads, right? And so when they would want to send the signal to raise an eyebrow slightly, inquisitively, instead it sent the <laughs> signal of raise both eyebrows, drop your jaw, make your eyeballs go huge. So they weren't quite in control of their facial <laughs> features. That's the only way I can explain this because, boy, there were some really choice, make perfect forum avatars. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Funnily enough, this actually reminds ah, me of your older, older avatar. In fact, it's probably still the same when he's <laughs> on Twitter. But... <laughs> oh, okay. So, can um, I just can I yeah. bring up? Can, oh, sorry. Just thinking about if you're watching it on a YouTube as a movie experience, I can totally, I can get that. If, if someone was speedrunning it, you're not going to get the full story or anything. But the, my complaint. The biggest complaint that I could think of in terms of how it controlled was you're moving your mouse about and you've got you can right click to go into your inventory. My biggest complaint is that look, you know, your your spyglass or whatever the hell that yeah. and your magnifier glass is it appears as an item in your inventory. You have to activate it to click on something. And it felt like if you did that, if you went in to look and then looked at a panel, you got a bit of background or story and you look at this and you look at that, but it wasn't happening automatically. So I think I missed out. I probably missed out on a lot of background information and the stuff that storytelling, the world building, because it felt hidden. Let's... And you end up actioning your way through instead <sighs> of... Hmm. exploring your way through can we put a pin in this and until we maybe get to the second episode because it does lead into something i wanted to talk about just remember it please um i'll remember it okay all right um uh, on the other hand would you like to take a look at this carbon rod again um i had to look at those stupid things about 900 times craig i didn't like looking at them it's a nice picture but um can we talk about the morphing technology, because boy howdy, it's, it's these very guys quick. were so proud, it's very quick, so proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! This, so so in the grand scheme of things, I believe morphing made its motion picture debut in Willow, and then they said, "That's it, guys. We have this perfected. Put it in the dig." And so they just jammed all kinds of morphing in it. Um, it looks cool when it comes to those rods, like like you know the square mm-hmm. turns into. But the those rods are very cool. Those uh, hieroglyphics, I didn't don't think they looked very good. Uh, I think they looked like garbage, actually. Mm. I I agree. I don't think it looked good in my head. In my head, canon, it wasn't about how it looked. It was about how the technology worked. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It was conveying a more alive, fluid 
experience. You know what I mean? So it it doesn't matter that it's janky. It's because it's trying to tell you the fact that things just didn't change. It was it was a fluid thing. That's that's where I went with it. Uh, I, it, it's it's kind of it's a strange choice for sure because I'm sure it cost about as much as hand animating such a transition. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was weird to see them put a lot of importance on morphing tech in this. Um, the last thing let's talk about uh, in terms of aesthetics is the music. Um, <sighs> yeah, I thought the music started off strong, but after a while, I stopped noticing it. And it was just kind of background. I mean, that's the problem. It was a very uh, ambient, ambientic yeah. track. So, I mean, uh, while it would be great if it was all like, you know, the whole game was Mass Effect map music, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was kind of odd kind of soundscape soundtrack. How did that hit you guys? For me, oh, God, I'm just going to be like, I thought it was really good. That's perfectly I fine. Actually, <laughs> I, I think it was really good. It was just like it just added flavor and a bit of touch and about a bit of ambience to the whole thing it was never it was never about each scene having its own track you know it was never about like something in day the tentacle where each room had its own theme tune or anything it was just an underlying sci-fi thing some of the sounds were really good some of the like the light bridge type stuff and the buttons that you pressed and a bit of wibbly wobbly and like that uh yeah yeah that's a very good sound thank you thank you very much i'm also doubling as a sound effects (laughs) person if anyone wants to hire me i'm the new um what's his name is it michael winslow yep uh uh, carl winslow I... Carl Winslow? Carol. Carl. Uh, no, the Carl Winslow was the dad on Urkel. Uh, yes, Michael oh. Winslow, pretty sure. So uh, when I remake Police Academy, I'll be sure to call you and Steve Gutenberg, and we got ourselves a hit. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, um, I, thought it was a, I thought it was generally okay. It's, it, nothing really stuck in my head, but I think the, the biggest thing that stuck out for me was that just sometimes it feels like it's it's a little bit too overdone in a way like you know maybe the animation staff never had had a chance and it's like you hear all like little um you know, like birds chirping sort of weird things and you're going oh let's look for the animation and you're like oh there's no animation there and you're like they maybe they did a lot of the sounds and sort of sound soundtrack to go with with stuff which wasn't actually put in the game or something i don't know but you'll get a lot of a lot of bits where yeah. you'll hear a little bit of a noise and you'll go well, that must correspond to something. Then you look at the screen. There's, there's not much happening. I don't know. It's a bit weird. A bit weird. I, I would never put it on my MP3 player. Whereas I might put like you know Monkey Island on my MP3 yeah. player. Uh, it, it might just be my. Well, no, because I like music like this outside of video games. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it fit and it was good enough to blend into the background and not ever call attention to itself except in the really bombastic moments, the uh, two or three that happened here. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Craig, if you don't know this, it's fine. But I'm curious in the reading you did on this, is there a reason why that creature is that? The, the, the spider creature that picks up mm. uh, Maggie. That sticks out like crazy. Oh, it sticks out like a, aliens. 
type sticking out. Oh, there's another creature from something. Yeah, I've Plus got no idea. Plus the, the like, 3D modeling on it. Like, that was strange. It's like, oh, you went animated for everything except this thing. Like, even the other aliens yeah. are animated. Mm. There's one of the stages of Tyrant in Resident Evil 2, isn't it? <laughs> the original one, not in, not in the remake, but... <laughs> yeah, it did It did stick out quite a bit, and I'm, I'm wondering if this was like, oh, they're just starting to get into 3D modeling here, try to model a, a, a spider thing and throw it in the dig. It, it just seemed a little strange. Uh, all right, the biggest complaint that I have aesthetics-wise is the voice acting, and I think I'm the only one on this one. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I, you guys. I quite like I it, to be honest. I, I found it. Um, I, going into the game, I, I knew there wasn't going to be as much humor as all the other games, but generally, I, I, I thought they were quite good. I, you know, I got a few little laughs from bits. It wasn't like laugh, full laugh out loud. I, I don't know anyone who actually does that. But, you know... It was a mm. yeah yeah I, I thought it was quite funny I liked the little the play between characters and most of it sounded generally good to me but I'm not an American so I wouldn't 100 percent know how Americans sound. <laughs> I I really liked it as well. I liked like Robert Patrick very good, um, Maggie or whatever the hell her name is. It's Maggie very good, um, and Brink also very good and very stereotypical and all very matter of fact and all very serious and i just think like maggie sounds like i'm not taking any of your shit jokes you know like all of the dad jokes everything she's just like this is not a time to joke she's very flat and very cool i, I quite like it brink as a maniacal german Arnie um, <laughs> <laughs> yep uh very good as well and I just think at the end of the day there was only the three of them plus a couple of return from the dead no no you can't say that um um I was about to spoil things I noticed so instead of that I'll say at the end of the day I just think for the state they were in and where they were and all this kind of stuff I think it was good it was just serious deadpan half funny good now, see, I think Robert Patrick did okay when he was talking to himself. And this may be due to it, the time it was at, but I don't remember, like, Sam and Max or uh, Monkey Island doing this. Um, it seemed like it was really herky-jerky in the way the, the voices would play, right? So you'd have that kind of like, you know, that JRPG silence where somebody has to finish a line, then there has to be a split second of silence, and then the person will respond they weren't having like a normal conversation like we are, even though we have like a second mm. leg. Um, I think he... I think... Oh, God. Oh, no. I was just... Do you want me to actually go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Because it's just a random thought that might mean nothing, but it might be in the programming because it might be that that whole entire script system, the scum engine, is built on response and choose a response and response and the way it pulls in audio is I'll play that one then I'll play that one I wonder if you're right one, then I'll play that one and then you know the user picks that one so then I'll play that it's very procedural in the way it goes through its its audio and I don't know whether they just wrote it in like that because yeah because I don't remember uh day of the tentacle being as stilted as this is but no. th that's like on the but technical end yeah, you could imagine it being stilted if 
you weren't controlling Bernard, and Bernard was just choosing the the response. You yeah, know what I, I mean, I guess. like yeah. I think I think Day of the Tentacle has a bit more of a bouncy soundtrack to cover over the cracks as well. A little, doesn't it? This is a bit more. Oh, that's a, that might be a good point. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Um, in terms of like the actors themselves, I'm amazed Steve Blum didn't do his usual Steve Blum voice, so he gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, yeah, again, Robert Patrick was really flat, other than when he was talking to himself. It's strange, because when he was talking to himself, I found the character really charming. When he was talking to other people, he sounded like a moron. So, and, and, and Maggie, Maggie was okay, but there, there's something, like, character-wise I want to talk about in, like, all of them do this weird 180 at some point and then go back. It's, it's very strange. Oh, yeah. yeah, they do. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I mean... If I was playing this at the time, I don't think I would have noticed. I think it's only now that I noticed, hey, there's this weird gap in between stuff. But um, other than that, I mean, we're already hitting at about an hour. Do we want to call it here and go to part two? And we'll finish talking. In terms of hours talking to amount of gameplay, this must be hitting the biggest percentage or ratio you might be able chat. to speed run this in the time it takes to finish this episode uh, I, I do think there's um, one big you, spoiler that we can place in the first part of this this episode which is that uh you might not think for a game titled the dig you might think that you never actually use that shovel but uh you do oh that is you true really do, uh that is your constant <laughs> companion there you go so yeah they, even in places where you're like you, you could have used your hands there, Robert Patrick. <laughs> uh-huh. Honestly, I for like the first time at, at the very start of the game where you pick it out of the pig, I didn't pick it up and I went right in and I forgot the shovel <laughs> and the amount of clicking about. I was, in, I was like, what the hell have I forgotten? I forgot the flipping speed. The one thing you don't want to forget in a game called The Dig, <laughs> where 50% of the actions involve digging. All right. Okay, so you know what? We're going to cut it off here at part one. In part two, we're going to uh, actually get into the meat of this and talk about the mechanics and uh, you know puzzle difficulty, things like that, as well as the actual story itself. So uh, anything quick you guys want to say before we wrap up episode one? Let's get digging. Hmm. No, 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 nobody, no, nobody no. respond. Just let him be. Oh, I God. put him on mute. It. It's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, thank you very much for listening to part one of The Dig. Sorry, this is a weird cutoff point, but like I said, we weren't exactly sure how we were going to format this because I didn't think we could talk this long about it, and I hope it's interesting, but... Um, of course, you're welcome to come to part two. We have some juice, some pies, uh, little coffee cakes. I have the cream in the center so they're not too dry, but you bite into them, and then all the cinnamon just <laughs> sucks all the moisture out of your mouth. So um, we hope you'll join us then. Um, we ask for a small donation when you walk in the door. But don't feel don't feel like just because you haven't donated that uh, you can't come and enjoy the festivities. Anyway, uh, you can get a hold of us on thepiteffect.com where you can suggest a game if you want three dudes to talk about it and never shut up. Uh, we do have a Twitter, but we don't use it, so feel free to post your naked pictures on there. And um, that's about it. Thank you very much for listening to part one. And join us next time when we actually get into the meat of this sucker. Uh, until then, thank you. As I said before, I don't know how to end things. It's a terrible sickness. I just keep going on. <laughs> thank you. Somebody told me. And, uh, okay. How about we just quote the classics <clears throat> from the real. game? 
I have said enough. <laughs> I have nothing more to say to you. Um, all right. So, yes, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on part two. 